Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when you go to a different food chain, it all starts to taste alike, right? I mean, you can't really tell me that Auntie Anne's, McDonald's, and Panda Express are all identical, but the sugary, basic, empty calorie chains all sort of blend together after a while. They all even kind of look the same, right? Like boxes with wooden panels, a slightly asymmetrical modern vibe that's not nearly as colorful and grease-filled as what you may remember from the 90s. Hey, isn't that Calvin? I haven't seen him for a while. Wonder where he's heading. I heard he got a job. Is that right? Well, it's about time he got himself together. Somebody believed in him enough to give him a chance. Wonder where he's working. Welcome to McDonald's, may I help you? Now let's fast forward to 2016. Enter Burgerim, something different, new, and unexpected. Our burgers come in pairs of two, in groups of three, or even in parties of 16. Each of our burgers weighs 80 grams or 2.8 ounces. Between the choice of flavors and additions, we offer within- Burgerim apparently translates to many burgers in Hebrew. And while you might be expecting a McDonald's on steroids with that kind of name, that's not exactly the case. Instead, they sell mini burgers, a bit bigger than a slider, but smaller than a normal burger for sure, and with 10 different kinds of patties. So you could have a normal beef burger, you could also have Wagyu, lamb, or even a vegetarian option. And sure, you can go with a regular old cheeseburger, or you can get avocado and pineapple on it. I guess you don't know till you try it, right? It was almost kind of like a build your own burger kind of place, or at least that's what I'm kind of thinking of when I look at the menus and the hosts of options that they have. Honestly, I'm not a huge burger person by any stretch of the imagination, but some of these options look pretty good. Like, yeah, you've got your basic crispy chicken, but they also have a Hawaiian salmon burger and a Greek lamb burger with tzatziki sauce that looks like it could be really good too. As it turns out, their lamb burger is actually a favorite and seems to represent the company as a whole. Are you getting hungry yet? Well, just hang on a sec because they wouldn't be on multi-level Mondays if they were legit, unfortunately. After all, if this place is so amazing, then why aren't they everywhere? Why are they being banned? Why did the CEO just kind of vanish? What went wrong? Well, these are some of the questions we're going to try to answer on today's episode of Multi-Level Mondays. Or just a party of one, which is what I would prefer. I could polish out the whole party box myself. Ooh. Trust me. We offer sensibly sized burgers. Bargersville last April, but now a burger franchise called Burgerim won't be serving up anything there at all. The brand is facing scrutiny. Franchisees claim the CEO cooked up a great concept, took their deposits, and then disappeared. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, 
Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This is like a burger advent calendar. I don't know what's going to be behind the next one, you know? We have nine different selections of patties from beef, chicken, veggie, falafel. We even have salmon. When people come in and, you know, they are they're new. To try multiple meats and sauces, but without scarfing down a ton of carbs. On its website, Burgerine claims to be the fastest growing burger chain in To be clear, this is how a lot of franchises work. If you love the concept, the brand, the values, whatever it is you connect with, then you can open up your own restaurant under the Burgerim umbrella. You got a name and a brand that people recognize, so you're seemingly setting yourself up for success. At least, that's what a franchisee would hope for. Now, those that signed up for Burgerim were really no different. They liked the brand and decided to risk it all, sometimes cashing out their entire savings or 401k just to be a part of the Burger Room company. After all, the company's ad said that you didn't need to have any experience to open a location and it cost only $50,000. Now don't get me wrong, 50,000 is a lot of money, but all things considered, it's not that much to actually open a business, have a growing brand attached to it and have a smash hit menu attached to your brand. In fact, Burgerim made it so accessible to buy a franchise that it became a little suspicious, honestly. Not only did you only need $50,000, but they also had no requirement for net worth or liquidity. And just for a comparison, I think it's, maybe it's McDonald's or Burger King or kind of one of those big fast food brands, but I think you need to literally have like a million dollars in like your net worth or something like that. And then like half a million dollars in cash just to be able to open one. That's just me spitballing. I don't remember what the actual numbers are, but it's something like crazy like that. Like to open a McDonald's or a Burger King or something like that, you essentially have to be like a multimillionaire. So you could see how $50,000 with no net worth requirement and no experience is really attractive in terms of how you could get into this type of industry. Restaurant Business's article on the matter says that this like no requirement for net worth and 50,000 later changed for Burgerim, but in the beginning, literally anyone could just grab a loan and get a Burgerim. And I'm not exaggerating, literally, you could have. The bar was so low, it was on the floor. And while you think accessibility in this case might be a great thing, it turns out it was actually an absolute recipe for disaster. The people going into these chains and signing up had really no idea what they were doing, at least, Many of them didn't, but that's okay, right? Bergeron was going to train them, show them the ropes, make their business a success, right? No, not really. Normally what you have when you're setting up a franchise is people will be calling you um, every day saying, this is what you gotta get done today. This is what you have to get done uh, tomorrow. This is, you know, everything is, planned out for you. We got none of that. RJ, who does not want to be identified, was about to open- Bergrim offered none of the training that you'd normally expect to see from a franchise. If you go on the McDonald's website, it's super easy to see that they have a franchise training program and what that entails. Obviously I have issues with them too, but at least they offer some semblance of support for new business owners. And now maybe, just maybe, this wouldn't be so bad if Bergrim just served like, I don't know, hot dogs or salads or something. But there's a lot more to this business than the menu alone. 
but at least a very simple basic setup might mean the need for less support. But that wasn't the case. Bergerim is a newer franchise with a massive complicated menu. After all, they're trying to make like a thousand different combinations of burgers or something like that. So as a result, the cost estimates of opening were often way too low and stores borrowed money based on these estimates, which would sometimes be only half of what they needed. Quote, Ravi Pradhan, who opened a location in November in California, said he was initially told his restaurant would cost $350,000 to open. It ended up costing $550,000 because of construction delays, cost increase, and dark rent when his lease started, but his restaurant sat unopened. Other operators paint similar pictures, saying they frequently had to take out additional personal loans, even mortgaging their homes to pay for the investment. Many believe they would make it up with profits that would surely come once the restaurant was open. And that's exactly the problem here. Like, yes, it may be difficult in the beginning and finances, of course, tricky, but business costs a lot of money to start, right? Like, that's just how it works. Like, it costs money to make money, something like that. Things will obviously get better, right? He says everything was going great at first. They promised uh, a grand opening, lines out the door. Until a couple of months into getting his license, Martinez says many of those promises were broken and the community- Despite some franchisees literally taking out mortgages to pay for this business, they were left completely in the dark. They wanted to see this through to the other side and get a taste of those delicious profits, but there weren't that many to actually be had, at least not as many as promised. To some extent, I blame the lack of experience on both parties. Bergerim should have some barrier to entry, at least require that someone have a year of food industry experience or something so that you're not underselling what a difficult business that is. And on the other hand, if you absolutely have no food industry experience and you can open up a restaurant, whether it's a chain or your own cafe or a steakhouse, then, you know, that's on you to do so. But while this already set up so many people for failure, even before they knew it, Even things like the menu did too. Being able to do their variety of food well requires a seriously professional crew and their menu is extremely easy to mess up. Service was sometimes slowed down to a crawl, making rushes impossible to handle and not exactly leading to a great dining experience in what's supposed to be more of a fast food or fast casual restaurant. At least you can call in Burger and Corporate for help, right? Well, if that were the case, then this might've been a simple story of, hey, Bergerim was too ambitious, it was a cool idea, but it hurt people and we all need to be careful. Easy peasy, lesson learned, we all move on. But Bergerim didn't help their franchisees as these issues arose and they actually made things worse. According to Restaurant Business, the company added more items and bigger burgers to the menu. At least one franchisee owner was so fed up and pissed off with corporate that he literally handed them the keys to his restaurant and told them to do something with it. Quote, multiple executives and employees offered plans to fix operations to right the ship, but these plans would usually run into opposition from Lori Oren, the founder, who dismissed them with a fuck that. Because, you know, yeah, that's really the response you want from a founder when their franchisees are struggling. A good old fuck that. Again, Some struggle is totally normal, especially when you're entering the food industry for the first time. But this flies in the face of normal practices and professionalism. And this is where Bergerim started to look like a pyramid scheme and how it ended up on multi-level Mondays in the first place, obviously. Because I'm sure you were wondering the connection. How do burgers fit into this episode? Well, there you go. It stopped looking like a fast food franchise situation and it kind of started to look like a money grab in a pyramid kind of form. 
In one of restaurant business's three-part investigation, because yes, there is actually that much on them, there's a section called Frozen Out. According to their research, Bergram never actually collected royalties, but instead relied on a franchise fee or that lump sum initial payment. They weren't in it for the long haul, but for a giant payday basically. And this is reflected in how the executives went about their business too. They generated $45 million in 2018, but spent all but 50,000 of it. Then the company started delaying payroll, top executives even went weeks or months without being paid, complaints started rolling in and lawsuits were filed. The writing was on the wall. Bergram didn't seem to care about literally anyone. But with even top executives not being paid, you have to wonder who's actually responsible for this? Well, people turned to the founder, Oren Lonnie, and well, they found nothing. He was gone. And as it turns out, this wasn't the first time he's done this either. Now, this is just my opinion here and Obviously, it's going to remain that way until all of this is definitively worked out in a court of law, but I do believe Orin Lonnie always intended to grab a quick payday and get the hell out of Burgerim. It's not as if the company itself was doing their franchisees any favors with their lack of training and communication, but the way he vanished into thin air is pretty telling, especially considering his past. So before we get into the Bergerim black hole that franchisees had to try to dig themselves out of, let's stop and take a moment to actually meet the founder. Now, he was supposed to be this experienced restaurant whiz. Although Donna Tuckner, an Israeli native, actually founded the first Bergerim, it's Oren that decided to take this chain international and buy the rights to do so. In blogs and articles, he was often described as a businessman, a writer, and a nomad. And that's all well and good, but very few articles actually detail what his past experience is. But if you dig deep enough and read enough posts, then you might learn about something called Bandora, a shawarma chain. As it turns out, Bergerim isn't the only chain he's worked with, but he also tried to ramp up the popularity of Bandora too, and their unique approach of cooking shawarma over hot coals. So why didn't that work out? Drum roll, please. He decided to sign up dozens of inexperienced franchisees and the franchise itself went bankrupt and Oren supposedly tried to flee Israel before the courts ordered him to stay. Does that sound familiar at all? I mean, this is almost black and white, the exact same issue that Bergerim was currently going through. And while I don't know just how malicious Oren is actually trying to be here, it sure sounds like he didn't learn his lesson at best and is knowingly screwing out franchisees out of their life savings to make a quick buck at worst. Either way, it's a damn shame that he was able to easily pull the wool over people's eyes because I'm willing to bet that if potential franchisees knew this information, they may have been a bit more hesitant to hand over their 401ks. But Oren went ahead and did it again anyway. And once Bergerim was looking bleak, he vanished. Former employees realized too late that Oren had never really been a business person, but a salesperson. Quote, he would tell you what you wanted to hear as long as you'd buy a franchise. He could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in a white suit, one employee said. Now, some Bergerims did stay open, pushing through and fulfilling delivery orders during the pandemic to keep their heads above water. And I just, as a side note here, I just think that's crazy. I didn't even know that this chain existed. Have any of you ever seen a Burgerim, eaten at a Burgerim, anything? I didn't even know that they existed. But anyway, 
While some somehow survived the pandemic, many more did close. They struggled to carry on. And of course, they had absolutely no real word from corporate and no support from the chain that they once believed in. It has announced that it will be closing its doors this weekend. According to a Facebook post to Emily Drives, Burger M will be and closing. Honestly, this is where I think most of us thought the story would end. This is where I thought it was going to end. He opens up a chain, makes millions of dollars, disappears when things get tough, and then we just never hear from him again. I mean, if I were a scam artist, that seems like that's probably the opportune time. Run away with the millions and then hide somewhere with those millions forever or something like that. Isn't that like where people like run to the Bahamas or something? I don't know. But Oren actually returned. Uh, and that begs the question, why did he leave in the first place? Was this always a scam? And what's the second side of the story? Once the pandemic started to settle and years after he vanished, Oren was suddenly back. In 2022, Restaurant Business wrote that he was denying all the allegations about intentionally misrepresenting franchise risks. Not only is this noteworthy because it's a response to a lawsuit, but it was the first word he gave since the chain collapsed in on itself. Did the law simply catch up to him or did Oren actually want to clear his name? Even the article itself admits that this is pretty unexpected. After all, Bergerim once promised to refund struggling franchises and then went back on their word. They used aggressive sales tactics, they left people bankrupt, and of course they faced scrutiny from the FTC. And those things didn't just happen out of thin air. So why does Oren think he has any defensible ground to stand on? In my opinion, and take it for what it's worth, I don't think he does. Once he did return, the feds thought the same, and now Bergerim and Oren are getting sued because of withholding refunds and not including crucial information in their franchise disclosure document. Again, businesses do fail, but when hundreds out of the 1,500 chains open didn't even get their business off the ground, asked to cancel their agreements, and then were ignored by corporate, then that's a different story. Oren can't really sit here and say he didn't know any better because he was the one claiming to be a professional with all this experience in the first place. So which is it then? Are you a business professional that doesn't follow through with your promises about refunding franchisees? Or are you completely ignorant and incompetent? Multiple states have completely revoked Bergerim's right to sell franchisees as a way to try and stop Bergerim from hurting anybody else. At this time, they were still accepting franchise applications too, and that seems to have only changed pretty recently. When the slow-moving US justice system is taking action, I suppose it's only fair that Bergerim is slow to recognize just how messed up their actions were too. But seriously, it's not often that companies or even scams face any real form of justice. At least here in the US, it doesn't seem to happen often. And maybe it's too soon to say for sure what's coming for Oren or Bergerim, but it's clear that this has ruined them if they haven't ruined themselves already. I'm not sure that you can clarify what Oren did was a full-blown scam or an accidental scam or just really bad business practices, but it's undoubtedly in that realm, in my opinion, at least. However, the case of Bergerim poses a question. How far are other franchises from following suit? Give yourself the gift of insane savings this holiday season with Mint Mobile's best wireless deal of the year. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you're gonna get another three months for free. That's six months of premium wireless service for the price of three. Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home while saving tons on phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. Like seriously, I can't think of a better gift than turning an overpriced wireless bill into just 15 bucks a month with Mint Mobile. 
Now I pay for Mint Mobile's unlimited like everything and that's 30 bucks a month, which is still so much better in the savings department compared to like what, 150, 180 a month of other service providers and their phone service works amazing. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily and effortlessly with eSIM. Or you can do what I did and get a new phone, new phone number, all that goodness. And if you do that with Mint Mobile, by the way, if you get a new device for a limited time, you're going to get six months of free service when you buy a select device and plan. So for a limited time, you can buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months for free by going to mintmobile.com MLM. That's mintmobile.com MLM. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com MLM. Quote, when Kenneth Laskin flew to California to meet with executives at Burgerim, a startup chain of restaurants, he was made to feel not just like another prospective franchisee, but like part of a family. The company's executives, he said, made a point one evening of highlighting their common Jewish faith by praying with him in Hebrew. At the time, in 2017, Mr. Laskin believed he was being offered a plum deal. He paid $50,000 for the right to open up as many Burgerim-franchised restaurants as he wanted in Oregon. I got an entire state, Mr. Laskin recalled. In the end, Mr. Laskin opened only one Burgerim restaurant in Eugene, Oregon, which closed in 2020 during the pandemic. Since then, Mr. Laskin has been depleting his savings to pay the bills, end quote. Turns out paying $50,000 to own a doomed business doesn't matter, statewide or nationwide. It's a bad deal either way. But what's keeping Wendy's or Taco Bell from doing this too? Maybe you can't get an entire state with them, but do other franchisees operate this way? That's what the New York Times attempted to answer back in May, 2023. Burgerim may be one of the most notable franchise failures in recent memory, but they're not the only ones using less than savory tactics to expand their business either. For years now, even though franchisees have been called in on ramp for the middle class to become millionaires, the companies themselves aren't always transparent about the risks. As we saw with Burgerim, aggressive advertising has come to play a big part in potentially portraying franchises as a way to get rich quick when we all know that doesn't really exist. The FTC isn't just looking at Burgerim either, but industry practices as a whole, and those who don't disclose all the material that a franchisee should be entitled to. Basically, it's not only MLMs that can make false promises. Others say that transparency won't help this, and whether or not someone entered into a franchise or made their own business, things can go badly. And that's true, no doubt, there are plenty of mom and pop shops that fail too. But personally, I rather fail at something on my own terms than under someone else's. It's one thing to know that there's a risk and go for it being wholly accountable for the result than to be told you can trust a corporation only for them to turn their back on you. What do you think? How accountable should these franchises be for the franchisee's failure? Let me know in those comments below. 